September 1st, 2023, we're in If you count from the top of the Amud down, it's 12 lines down, the second word on the line. Says the Gemara, Visavar Rav Nachman Yesh Berera. And uh, jumping you up to date in this moment, if you recall, the Gemara had been dealing with, and it will only briefly return to it after a complicated conversation in the interim, the uh, issue that it had addressed earlier. And effectively, Rav Nachman's position on this Bor Shel Ole Bavel, if you recall, the Bor Shel Ole Bavel is this pit which is out in the public thoroughfare. The question is, Generally speaking, what's the status of that pit? We had a question with regards to nidarim. Can I get benefit from it if you vowed me off of your property and belongings or vice versa? And uh, more relevant to our specifics was what's the status if I were to draw water from it Whose water is it in turn? Is it my water or is it your water? Even if I had your, you in mind, if I had intent to draw it for you, even though I initially drew it for myself, does it, so to speak, belong to you with regards to Tehum Shabbat? Now, Rav Nachman's position, if you recall carefully and uh, importantly, the Gemara told us, Rav Nachman's position was that the Bor Shel Olere Galim is considered like a partnership bor. Uh, pit. It's a borshel shutafe, which means to say you and I have a partnership stake in the water from this bor, from this pit. And as a result, if I were to draw it with you in mind, the understanding was, Rav Nachman told us, I could be mizake you. I could make you, in turn, be the owner immediately. That's working with a mechanism the Gemara came on to tell us called berera. It effectively works like this. I drew it. It wasn't initially mine and now I gave it to you. That would be a problem as we'll again remind ourselves later in this sukya. Alternatively, what I'm doing is I'm picking it up, drawing that water. As Jeffrey pointed out, I'm not drawing all of the water and then saying this is yours. It has to be necessarily. I drew some water. I said this is Eli's and immediately it is yours. I said it before drawing it because of Berera, because we're, so to speak, going back in virtual metaphysical time and saying this was always yours. We're now just delineating the lines and realizing these particles of water were yours all along. That's a concept known as Berera. The Gemara challenges that and effectively challenges that in these next few lines, stating and proving Rav Nachman doesn't hold of such a concept called Berera. That metaphysical time, the uh, turn back the clock, Rav Nachman never accepted such a concept. In turn, the final line will be, we're going to have to reinterpret what happened over here by the Borshel Oleh Bavil. We're going to need to give a different explanation. But how do we prove that he doesn't have and doesn't maintain such a concept known as Berera? It's by means of, I gave the short introduction at the end of the last class, two concepts which interrelate in a in an opposing way. The two concepts are one called Mahasita Shekel and in turn what's called a Kalbon and the other one being Maaser Behema. And here's how they interrelate in so to speak opposite ways. A Kalbon <coughs> worked as follows. If a person were to and they needed to give a Mahasita Shekel yearly to the Mishkan, to the Mikdash, they wouldn't just, uh, the Hachamim explained, give the Mahasita Shekel. A Mahasita Shekel was a slight and slender and thin type of coin and it would easily get lost. As a result, well, the general practice and responsibility was you added a little bit more to it in order to interchange it with a higher, 
I guess, density, a higher, whatever, a thicker coin that wouldn't be as easily lost, that was less uh, negligible. And that's what you would give to the Mishkan. So you'd give to the Mishkan extra so that they weren't handling what the Torah prescribes, the smaller, thinner coins. That was the Kalbon responsibility. Here's the important detail with regards to Kalbon. If I were going together with or for my partner, and so in essence we were giving a full shekel, half from me and half from him, we would still give a Kalbon for each of us. But it's not necessary. I'd be handing them a full shekel coin, which was already thicker. The halakha is, to a certain extent, we don't distinguish. The fact that I'm bringing two mahasita shekels, even though I'm presenting it as one full one, needed to give two Kalbons. The exception to that rule is, I'm a father. I'm bringing for my household, for all of my children. In that situation, the halakha was, for one reason or another, that I could give, um, let's say I have uh, four, three children, I'm giving for myself and my three children, two shekalim to the mishkan, halas. One kalbon, that's the general responsibility, but I didn't need to add the extra amount to each one of them. That's the important and necessary detail. It means that if I'm acting as a father, if I'm acting as the owner of the estate, the head of the estate, and handling several others, in such a circumstance you are patur from the kalbon. Uh, that's detail and uh, segment number one. Always. Any time an individual came to the Mishkan, the Mikdash, with a Mahasita Shekel, they didn't just give a Mahasita Shekel, it was a very small amount, but you added... This is, this is, no, this is not the wearing out, as far as I understood and remember it in learning uh, Shekelim. It's that the coins, these, these are different, these are thin coins, and as a result, they'd easily, this is the way the Hachamim speak about it, get lost. They'd uh, slip in between. You wanted to give a, a stronger coin. It's not about... And the rabbi said, the rabbi said, the way our currency of Mahasita Shekel works, give an extra five cents or something like that in order so that it can be redeemed further. So that's segment number one. Segment number two is the Ma'asir Behema. It's a lot of necessary introductions with a lot of details in order to get across a fundamental point in the context of Rav Nachman, but you need these introductions. Second introduction is Ma'asir Behema. Every single year, a person was to bring a tenth of their new cattle and, and sheep to the Mikdash, and what they would do with it is they would slaughter it, the blood and the fats would be sacrificed, and the meat was enjoyed and uh, you know, consumed by them. Um, shared with others. That's the halakha of ma'asir behema. What about if I was a partner in this animal? We own the farm in a partnership. The halakha, and it's derasha from Pesukim, Rashi cites um, from Masechet Bechorot. The halakha is that partners did not bring ma'asir behema. A loophole? Absolutely. You wanted to get out of it? Never. You didn't need to bring. It's actually a derasha from Pasuk by Bechor, by the firstborn, but the Hachamim derive it. They say if it's not relevant to there, make it relevant to Maaseh Behema. It's an elaborate derasha, Masechet Bechorot. But that's the halacha. Partners did not bring Maaseh Behema. What if I wasn't a partner? I'm mentioning now. What if I'm a child and I'm in this family business? Is it the same thing? Remember, we just a moment ago talked about by Kalbon, partners versus father and sons. We said father and sons didn't need to bring Kalbon, partners did need to add the extra Kalbon on each Mahasita Shekel. Over here it works in the opposite, the inverse way. Over here it works that Ma'asir Behema, partners did not need to give at all. I mean, you could give as many donations as you'd like. Children, family estate, needed to. Oh, that's the introduction. So we already understand that Kalbon and Ma'asir Behema are on two sides of 
excuse the, um, the uh, pun, of the coin over here, right? In other words, each one of them represents a different side of this. Okay, so let's see with that. V'savar Rav Nachman yesh berera. Ask the Gemara, is it really so that Rav Nachman maintains this concept known as berera, this retroactive halakha concept? V'hatenan, don't we have the following Mishnah? Now, Rav Nachman didn't live in the time of the Mishnah. Anything that's going to, uh, we're going to derive from Rav Nachman is his interpretation of the Mishnah. But what is the Mishnah? It's actually Mishnah in three places. As you might imagine, this is relevant to several halachot. Ha'achin hashutafin. The situation, the circumstance is, there are brothers who are partners. Okay, well, in turn, their father, Lo'aleinu, passes away. They receive from their father lots of possessions. The estate. The estate. The question is, what happened then? You have one of two options what happens then. Either they accept it as the estate belongings to them and they just maintain it without ever really dividing it. Or alternatively, they divide it initially. They say, all right, this is the estate. We might be partners in general. Let's divide this stuff. I give you some, you give me some, whatever, we determine this. And then ultimately speaking, we put it back together in order to again build, so to speak, a family estate. So again, either we just received it from our father and it was just handed to us, we never did anything to it. Uh, we, have the, uh, we have the farm, we have the orchard, we have this, and we just continued maintaining it. Alternatively, we divided it and then reconnected. Okay, that will make major difference over here with regards to the halakha. Ha'achin ha'shutafin, kishahayavin bekalbon peturin mima'asir behema, ukshahayavin bema'asir behema peturin min ha'kalbon. What you already see is the inverse we talked about. How are you going to find that amidst brothers? Well, it'll, it'll depend on the following. This is what the Mishnah is teaching. If we received from our father uh, a full estate and we first divided it and then only reconnected it, we're considered like partners. We're considered like partners as a result, no ma'asir behema, and yes, kalbon. If alternatively, we just received it from our father, we never did a formal division. We just accepted it as the estate and we were continuing to maintain it. Not partners, brothers with a father, quote unquote, still alive, he may have passed. Regardless of the age, I mean, we're of age to, to maintain. We're not doing it with an apotropos. Older brothers. Older brothers, yes. A hundred percent. We're not talking about ketanim. We're talking about people who are maintaining an estate and capable and able of doing so and making such decisions. We received it in turn, and we, you know, kind of were partners, but we're not treating this as a partnership. The halakha in turn is, we're hayav in ma'asir behema. We never divided it, divided it, and we don't pay the kalbon. But the father's not alive. This is a very important and famous concept known as tifisat habayit. We're still, so to speak, holding on to the home. We still have this estate reality to us. That's all we've read thus far. So it means that depending on the mechanics of how we received our father's possessions, we in turn have halachot with regards to ma'asir behema and kalbon. If we never defined it and we never divided it, in other words, dad passed away, not delineating. We accepted it as brothers of this household. We imagine halakha speaking as if the dad is still alive and in turn, we're hayav and ma'asir because we're not partners, we're just working for the estate. We do not have to pay kalbon because it's as if our father showed up at the mikdash for us with the mahasita shekel. If alternatively we first divided it, you called it defined, 
Great, but the point is we divided it. This is mine and that is yours. And then we said, you know something, let's bring it together. I don't know why we changed our mind. We changed our mind. That's and only that is the situation where we consider shutafim. It's not equal. So... Um, sure. Um, it, it, it will, yeah. It, it'll, in other words... It'll be a concession, Jeffrey's pointing out, potentially, unless he's taking it from other stuff outside. In other words, we're dealing with the animals right here. Maybe he got the double from, uh, from the produce or something of that sort. But, but you're right. No, no, but ultimately speaking, it does need to be that this possession, which, quote, was not divided, is equally ours. We never divide it, and as a result, as the Bechor, you don't have a higher stake to it. it it's got to be as such. Uh, says the Gemara now, uh, just the, the rabbis from the time of the Gemara, and explaining, again, this three-time repeated Mishnah, they had a divided opinion on how to particularly understand it, because it says this, or shehileku, maybe gedayim keneged tilayim, or tilayim keneged gedayim. Ava hileku gedayim keneged gedayim, or tilayim keneged tilayim. Omer zehu hileku hamagiyo mishaari shona lekach. Rav Anan has a very interesting addition. Says Rav Anan, he says, listen. You told me and you convinced me that if we initially divided it after the passing of dad, so the halachas were now partners, even though we recombined. Partners, partner, excuse me, partners who divided once, I have mine and you have yours, uh, is partners always. Even though we put it back together, it's, a, it's not a real estate. An estate is you never actually divide it. An estate is you have equal share in this. Says Rav Anan, and it's really touching on a point that I think Jeffrey was a little bit bringing out a moment ago. He says, listen, that's specifically and only if in the initial division, we divided based on value not based on what's in front of us. You took the, I don't even know how to translate these, you took the uh, calves and I took the goats. And I took the same value of goats as you took in calves. And I took the uh, horses and you took the mules and we took the same value. But ultimately speaking, we were taking different things. That's a division. We come back and we put it together, that's not a real estate, that's a divided people came together, built a nice, beautiful partnership, uh, you know, uh, uh, equal partnership. Alternatively, if initially I took calves and you took calves exactly parallel to that, I took uh, horses and you took horses directly parallel to that, the halakha says, Rav Anan is, when we then come back, uh, we, we divided and we came back, he says, that was never a division. It was never a division. Of course it was a division. He says, Using the concept known as berera, effectively what Avanan is saying is, that was never a real division. You took what was really yours. What was really yours? I sat there and I said, all right, uh, brother, you take that one and I'll take this one. I take this one, you take that one. We did divide. No, no, no. The fact that it's the same item, the exact same animal which is being divided, we can halachically speaking, using berera say, we went back in time and so to speak, at the moment of death, this is the part that was destined for you. We don't see it, to say it more sharply, we don't see it as a human division. We see it as a realistic, a reality, an existential division. So what's the point of them splitting and then putting it back together with? For what reason? I'm not really certain why they would have done that. Maybe they just changed their business ideas. You know, they split it and then they said, maybe after time, maybe immediately, they said, this isn't going to work. We'd be stronger as a force together. It's just the way they did it. Maybe they were, maybe there was pressure from the family to do so initially and then they well, said, they we split it, then they have to still 
then it's as if their father's giving them. Correct, correct. But the point over here is that even if they did split it, there's going to be, of course, both a stringency and a, and a leniency, if they did it in an equal, absolute equal way, we go back in time and say that was never a division. That was, that was just what, that was the estate. You took the horse and he took a horse. You, you, you both took your portions, which is where all a communal portion were able to do that. Rav Nachman disagrees. Rav Nachman Amar, Afilu Hilleku, Gedayim Keneged Gedayim, Utlaim Keneged Telaim, En Omer Zehelko Hamagi Omishari Shona Lekach. Rav Nachman seems to directly dispute the concept of Berera over here. Again, quickly reminding you the complicated application, but here's how it worked. The fact that we split in an absolute equal way, not even financially, literally equal, I took a horse and you took a horse, makes us understand according to Halakha, said Ravanan, and Rav Nachman in theory agrees, he just disagrees with the concept. If you use Berera, it means we never had a real division. It means that was yours and this was mine. If you say you took the value and I took the value, say that's our human division. The fact that you took a horse and I took a horse, you took a cow and I took a cow, that wasn't a division. That was always mine and that was always yours from the passing of our father. Alternatively, says Rav Nachman, no such thing. I won't apply this complicated thing called Berera over here. It's no such thing. If you divided, you divided. I'm not sure why you divided, but you did divide. Lucky you, you never need to pay Ma'asir Behema now if you came back together. Unlucky you, you have to add the extra Kalbon. But that's the punchline. What, at, what is most significant, although in my mind it's all fascinating, interesting, the most significant part is Rav Nachman's punchline over here is in Berera, there's no concept of Berera that flies in the face and contradicts everything we developed in past classes. And we began the class today talking about Rav Nachman told us Yesh Berera. Let's quickly remember how he told us that, Rav Nachman, because that's the final line of our Gemara. In relation to the well, right, by the well, Rav Nachman's position was, I'm walking past a bor shel ole bavil, we call it, right? And uh, I say, you know something? You were talking about how thirsty you were. I'm going to take this for Eli. And so now, this water, what's the status of this water? Whereas uh, Rav Sheshat said, that's my water. I can't do zikhiya for you. Why not? Important. Now we need to return to the reasoning because I can't merit, I can't acquire something for you, even though it's helping you at the expense of someone else who could have taken that water. That was Rav Sheshat's opinion because his vision is the water is hefker, it's ownerless. I took it. I can't take it for you over him. And as a result, it's mine. And if you want to take it from me now, you're taking my water and it has all the restrictions and limitations of tehum based on me. Alternatively, Rav Nachman, and we had an understanding of Rav Nachman until now, his position we thought was that the water is in partnership. So I'm taking this water, drawing it out and saying immediately and beforehand, this water is Eli's. It means berera, we understood. Retroactively, this water was always yours. It's not that I took it and I gave it to you. It was yours. No, but when I looked into the well, I couldn't point to which pieces of water were yours. Water doesn't have pieces. That's right, but once I took the water in a cup out, now retroactively you say this was always yours. That was Rav Nachman's position as we understood it. That's accepting Berera. That's accepting this retroactive business. Go ahead. And it doesn't matter what kind of water it was, the Gemara made very clear to us that it's specifically stagnant water. If it's flowing water, the Gemara told us just a few lines before that, it's going to always be considered hefkev. 
part of it as it's very different than the estate part. When you're dealing with all of Israel's property, when you're dealing with father's two sons. We're not, ironically, we're not really comparing the cases. We're comparing the mechanism of halakha called berera. Do I retroactively say that since this was a partnership and I took this, this was always mine or not? Same thing in the brothers. Do I say retroactively, since each of us took a horse, each of us took a cow, it was always ours from the time of dad's passing? That's it. We're not really applying the same laws. We're asking berera. Rav Nachman initially, we thought, told us berera. Over here, he's telling us no berera. That's the contradiction. So says the Gemara, scrap not everything you knew, but most of what you knew in the context of the uh, the well, of the pit, I think we should call it, the bor. Says the Gemara, Ela Hacha, rather over here, and we're going to explain it only based on Rashi, and, and finish the sugya with this, Bimagbiha Mesia Lahavero Kamipalge. Mor Savar Kana, Mor Savar Lokana. Let me bring you back for a moment, and let me just tell you, uh, just briefly. I, I, did I skip the words? I skipped the words, excuse me. Ela de kule alma bira de hefkera hi. Ela hachaka b'magbiya metzia. So it goes like this. First and foremost, there was no dispute. The Gemara corrects it between Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshat with regards to the status of the pit. Status of the pit, according to both, is ownerless. Oh, one second. Ownerless, we have problems. If it's ownerless, when I took the water for you, Eli, I can't actually be mitzakeh. Everybody agrees to that. I can't give it to you now because it could have been Charles and it could have been Joey's. And by me trying to give it to you, I'm being havla aharine. I'm um, demeriting others. Hang tight. Correct. I'm with you. Uh, so, but that was our assumption. Right? That's how we understood that concept of hefker and why I couldn't draw water for you on Yom Tov because I'm by so doing, even though I'm trying to directly merit it to you, I'm demeriting others. That's the problem. Says the Gemara, but here's how it works alternatively. What happens? Let's agree to that. Everybody can agree to that. Good. When I drew the water for Eli, I couldn't be mezaket. I couldn't acquire it for him. What happens to this water now? I'm holding it in my hand. Is it mine? Did I by so doing acquire for myself? I was trying to do it for Eli. Or alternatively, is it still ownerless? Those two ways to understand this, right? I came across something out in the open. I think, I've, I've always been imagining that. I want to get this from my good friend. I try to get it and I find out afterwards you weren't able to acquire it for another person. Does de facto that mean it's now mine? Did I, but I did an acquisition on it. Or alternatively, um, is it ownerless? You did nothing. That's what the Gemara suggests. Careful. That's what the Gemara suggests over here is the mahluk between Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshat. Let me explain it now in detail with regards to them. Whereas Rav Sheshat says, when you came across, and everybody agrees this, Bor Galim Hefker. We proved it from the Mishnah Masech and Nedarim. Remember, if I made the vow, I'm not going to get any benefit from you, I'm allowed to go into the Bor I might not be able to go into the street, but I could go into the board. It's ownerless. Says Rav Sheshat, ownerless. I went, I said, this cup of water is for my good friend, Charles Sheheba. I draw the water, 
and uh, well, then they say, uh, the rabbi comes, you weren't able to do that, you're demeriting others. Whose water is this now? Says Rav Sheshad, it's my water. I try to give it to Charles, Charles could only move as much as I'm able to move, that's his opinion. Rav Nachman, our key opinion, the one we've been struggling with throughout, says, no, 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 you tried to do it for Charles, it doesn't now become yours, but I'm holding it, you're holding ownerless water, you never had in mind to acquire it. Now I hand it to Charles, because that was my intention all along, he now acquires ownerless water and can now move it wherever he wants. That's So it means that ultimately speaking in our Gemara, we deconstructed, we pulled down what we've been working with throughout. Our assumption throughout was they were split Rav Sheshat and Rav Nachman on the status, the quality of that bor. Is it hefker? Is it shutafut? Is it ownerless or is it partnership? The, the explanation in turn, once we went through all the loops and all the details, everybody agrees hefker. The question only, explaining according to Rashi, is whether when I am magbiha mitzi'ala havero, I had intention to acquire it from my friend, did it do nothing or did it acquire it for me? So Bajen and it acquired it for you. No, on Yom Tov, that's a problem. If you acquired it for yourself on Yom Tov, it means now I give him the limits of myself. If alternatively it's still ownerless, he now takes it from me and it's his. That's kiragle, that's like the legs of the person who was filled for him, that would be the opinion of Rav Nachman. It's yours, if you had intention to be Konet, but yes. If I sent it with Jeffrey, I go, Jeffrey, now bring this to Charles. If he has intention to acquire it, it's yours. But if it is ownerless, and it could be yours, yes. Um, then you get into uh, then you get into moral and ethical issues. Gemara Masechet Kiddushin, and elsewhere deals with that, which is technically yours. In other words, the Gemara just very briefly says, if uh, it's Ani HaMeyapech Behararam, looking at this and thinking about whether to acquire, and you come and you grab it, it's technically yours. Elashinikra Rasha, the Gemara says. But yes, you could, because it is fully ownerless in that moment. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve